Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart. And Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. At Passage to Profit, we're all about entrepreneurs and new businesses and protecting them with intellectual property. Yep. And that's what we do at Gearheart Law. We protect you with intellectual property. It's a boutique IP <laughs> But firm. we don't do it for free. <laughs> no, trademarks, <laughs> copyrights, patents, everything else related. But before we get started, I just have to talk about this. I love food. And we went to this amazing shop last weekend. Murray's Cheese? Are you talking about Murray's Cheese? I am. It was amazing. The cheese is so good. It's down in Chelsea. If anybody is a cheese connoisseur... This is the place to go. Have you ever tried on glasses but not found the right fit? All the time. For me, I'm sure our listeners feel the same way. And you know what really amazes me is how different everybody's face is. Like, everybody's face is basically the same but shaped different. So... You know, oval, round, heart-shaped, square, etc. I've been told I have a heart-shaped face, but I don't know. But I think that's You have common. a lovely heart-shaped oh, face. Oh, thank you. But glasses never fit me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I have to search through frames, too, to find one that fits right. And they still need adjusting. And really, if I'm, like, doing anything active, like sports, like running, tennis, anything like that, they just slide right off my face. And so you- what do I do? And you want one that fits your style, too. That's right. Well, our guest this evening has a very innovative solution to the ill-fitting glasses problem. We're very pleased to welcome Zahir Zaveri of King Children to the show. Welcome, Zahir. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show today and tell you guys more about King Children. So what does King Children do? I mean, we know you make glasses, but tell us how you do it. We make eyewear for every face. It's designed by you and crafted to fit. Uh, The way it works is that you download our app and 3D scan your face. So we're actually, during that process, um, collecting the information that we need to make you a pair of eyewear that fits you perfectly. And we're talking about eight variables over here, the width of the frames, the height of the frames, the fit of the nose bridge, the pantoscopic tilt, as well as the wrap of the frame. So once we have that, what we can do is actually give you the ability to in augmented reality. So think like on your phone screen, looking at like a selfie, try on different designs of eyewear, all of which are actually custom fit to your specific facial structure and find something that you love. Once you find a design that you like, what you can be sure of is that they will fit you great and will look great on you. And all you have to do is tap a button and you can buy them. We do both prescription eyewear as well as sunwear, as well as prescription sunwear. And you have the lenses as well, right? Absolutely. Yes. So you get the whole glasses. Um, Andrew, our social media guru, found you because you were one of the top 50. We were selected as one of the top 50 startups to watch by Built in NYC in 2019. So that's why you're a guest on the show. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's a great honor. So let me ask you a question about the frames and the glasses and how everything sort of fits together. It would seem to me if you're, you have an eyeglass design and you change the dimensions of one part of the frame, you also have to kind of alter the dimensions of the other parts of the frame. So it has a nice look to it. 
So how do you accomplish that with your software? That's a really great question. And it's something that we spent so much time thinking about. So one of the things that most people don't know about us is that we actually spent two years in research and development just thinking through problems like that because they're problems that are not super easily quantifiable. Typically, when you think of, you know, uh, fit, it sounds like, okay, there's a right and wrong answer. But if your eyebrows are higher or lower than someone else's, fit to you actually means something very different. And part of our challenge was to quantify these seemingly unquantifiable problems. And so what we decided to do from very early on was we decided to think about fit not just purely from a functional perspective, but from also a style perspective as well as an ergonomic perspective. And so what we developed over time was a machine learning-based system where we were able to start feeding it data on what not only fits and feels great, but also looks great. And over time, that system has become better and better and better at understanding what somebody with a given face shape, given features would actually like. It sounds like great technology. I'm a technology guy. I go, gee whiz, this sounds great. But it's a lot of trouble to go through and create the software and then create the, the back end that makes these glasses. What was the motivation behind this? So I think that something that's always mattered a lot to both myself as well as my co-founder is that we've always felt that brands have uh, developed in a way that makes them cater to the quote-unquote masses but in reality, what they're doing is they're just catering to people who they can sell the most product to. And this is one of the problems that's developed with the way that things are made today. Whenever you make anything, like think of that pair of glasses that you have right next to you, Richard. Um, those frames had to have been made in a batch of a minimum of 10,000 units, wow. which means that the company that made those frames had to be sure that they could sell 10,000 of them before they made them. Otherwise, it didn't make sense for that company to make them. What we were able to do was go back almost to first principles and rethink how products are made and what drives why they are made the way they are made because we were able to access newer technologies that aren't limited by those constraints. So, for example, our frames are made by using a patented 3D printing-based process that actually allows us to make every frame different. And so what we can do is we can make a product that fits each individual person uniquely well. And to answer your question about, is this a you know something that's only for people who are into technology? No, it's not. And that's our job, right? Our job is to do something that might be really complicated on the back end, but for you presents itself as a beautiful, seamless experience. So, Sahir, I have a question. I went on your website, and you have a lot of different people with different frames on there. You have some sort of hexagonal frames. You have round. You have all different styles. Do you have a set number of styles, or could somebody actually send you a design, and you would actually make that kind of frame? That's a great question, and uh, it's something that we actually have not only the capability to do, but we've actually done so one of the things that we're super excited about right now is we're doing a really cool collaboration um, in preparation for Pride. So World Pride is in New York this year, and it's the first time in history that World Pride is in the U.S., which is a huge, huge deal, given it's also the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. 
And so it's a very, very meaningful event for the LGBTQIA plus community. And so what we've done is we've actually partnered with a bunch of really interesting people from the community, people who in their own right are activists, they are artists, they're performers, they're DJs. And we've actually given them the opportunity to design their own custom line of eyewear by working with us and using the app as a basis for that process to really showcase to the world how anyone can actually collaborate with King Children and make a pair of custom frames from scratch in literally two weeks. Traditional eyewear, just so you know, takes between six and nine months to go from the product conceptualization to being in your hands. So who owns the design, the intellectual property on that? So the way that we've done it right now is that we basically give the person who we're partnering with exclusivity on that design for a period that we kind of pre-discuss. It's typically either a six-month period or a one-year period, depending on what we discuss. And then after that, it's something that can live in our app as well. What's cool, though, is, is that during that period, we're not just getting the design from them. We're actually sharing the revenue that we make from selling that design with them on every single piece basis. And so they actually have an opportunity to basically present to the world their own eyewear line. Wow. So how do they get a hold of you to do that? Do they just have to go on your website and contact you, say, hey, I have this cool design I want to share with you? Or what? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, reach out to us by emailing me directly at sahir at kingchildren.com and I'm happy to chat with you. You could uh, even DM us on Instagram where uh, king.children and we will get back to you in minutes, hopefully. And uh, <laughs> so, um, Did you get Alton John? That's, yeah. that's what I want to know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> You'd have so many different designs, right? You couldn't keep up, right? Would would love to. Absolutely. <laughs> and and that's so I think that's actually part of the core of who we are as a company, right? So everything that we do, everything that we build really grows out of our brand values. Our brand values are diversity, inclusivity, creativity, and self-expression. And even from the experience of being someone who's maybe had a difficult time buying eyewear before and using our app and discovering that you don't have to go through any pain because you have a narrow face or a wider face or your nose bridges a certain way and you can find a pair of eyewear that fits you perfectly all the way to these amazing collaborations that we do with uh, really, really interesting people like the Pride collaboration that we have right now. What you find is that they're all rooted in ultimately paying respect to these brand values that are not our brand values, frankly. They're values that we have found young people have and believe in strongly today. And we simply hope to support them in believing and have built a brand around that. Zahir, do you have a certain set of standard frames that people pick from on the website? Is that how the eyeglass frame selection process begins? Or does the software suggest certain frames that might look good with the person's picture? That's a great question. So it's both. We have a standard set of frames which we want people to browse through and get that opportunity to go through the same kind of experience they would in a store where they're looking around at different options. But what we've also been able to do is we've been able to build a recommendation system in so that after you 3D scan yourself, you actually get three recommendations 
based on the 3D scan that we've created, which allows you to maybe look at those first and get some perspective. And perhaps, you know, if you like one of those, it just makes your decision-making process easier. Just out of curiosity, do you have any data from people as to how much they like your recommendations? We're still building that out. We haven't actually started quantifying how much people like them. But what I can say confidently is that even if people don't choose one of the recommendations that we make to them, it definitely helps them in the decision-making process because it may be a situation where I'm recommending these you know, rectangular frames to you, which are black, but you want to get rectangular frames, which are navy. And so having that recommendation as a starting point helps make the decision process much easier. For those of you who haven't seen this on social media yet and are just hearing this for the first time, Sahir brought with him a pair of glasses with round frames and kind of a zebra stripe pattern. Very cool. So how many colors can you do in patterns like that? We actually have a constantly growing range of colors and patterns that we offer. What we do attempt to do, however, is we attempt to use some of the data that we collect to reduce the decision making so that we present to you designs and patterns that we think that you will love so as not to make it so difficult for you to make a selection. But having said that, one of the amazing things about what we've developed is that we can very quickly and easily add new colors and patterns. Keep in mind, for the Pride collaboration that we're doing, we develop new colors, new patterns, and new designs in two weeks flat. Wow. That's amazing. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Passage to Profit. We're here with Zahir Savri talking about King Children, which is a new way to make eyeglasses. The company has an app that scans your face and then recommends glasses frames for you to purchase. And it's a really innovative new approach to manufacturing. How did you choose glasses as the product that you wanted to manufacture using these methods? I think that it's really kind of a, a question that we answer backwards, right? Which is, what is the product that people care so much about, that they associate so much with their identity, that occupies arguably the most prime real estate on themselves? And that's undeniably eyewear. It's the first thing that you see when you see someone. And especially for people who wear prescription eyewear, it's intricately tied to their identity. And so there's such power in being able to offer people who have not had the easiest time finding eyewear that fits them well and looks great on them the opportunity to do so in literally seconds. So what's your background? Are you an engineer? I actually studied applied math. And so my kind of background was really around optimization. I, I kind of went through a process where I realized that most of the applications of the applied math that I was studying were focused on things that only existed in a screen or only existed in an intangible way. And I've always had this love for manufacturing and making things and wanted to combine those two interests. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. Our special guest this evening is Sahir Zaveri. Back in a minute with more from Sahir. You're listening to WOR 710, the voice of New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want 
want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. And now a word from our sponsor, the New Jersey Technical Council. On June 26th in Teaneck, New Jersey, the New Jersey Technical Council will be hosting its annual Leadership Summit. Leading and maintaining a high-performing enterprise before, during, and after management changes is critical to the short and long-term strength of the company, particularly in today's uncompromising global business environment. This year's summit will include a keynote from Frank D'Souza from Cognizant. A CEO panel will follow and offer additional insights and perspectives on managing pre- and post-leadership changes. Discussion groups will follow to further share best practices among attendees. That's June 26th in Teaneck, New Jersey. For more information, go to the New Jersey Technical Council website, njtc.org, to register for this informative and educational event. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our guest this evening has a very innovative solution to the ill-fitting glasses problem. We're very pleased to welcome Zahir Zaveri of King Children to the show. So, Zahir, when I spoke to you on the phone, I asked you about your name. And we actually, during the break, we asked the people in the studio here with us who are going to pitch what questions they had. And that came up from one of the pitchers, too, is how did you get the name King Children? Yeah, that's a great question. Our name, King Children, really grew out of what we wanted our brand to mean to people. So like I described earlier in our conversation, our brand values are diversity, inclusivity, creativity, and self-expression. If you think about it, these are the kind of values that, you know, when you're a kid, your mom or dad might say to you like, oh, you know, wait till you grow up and then tell me you care about these things. Wait till you experience the real world. So in a sense, they're very idealistic values, in a sense, childish. But what we want to be as a brand is a platform for these values. We want to be a place that people can look to who ascribe to these values and care about them and can reinforce their importance and also a place that people can look to when they're questioning these values to know that these are actually really, really important values. And I think the most important aspect of this, like I mentioned earlier, is that these are not values that we have created. These are not values that we have brought to the world ourselves. They are values that the younger generation today cares deeply about. And so what we want to be is a brand that they can look to to reinforce their care in those values. So how'd you get the king part? So the children part was like the childlike piece, right? So the king speaks to the sense of platform, regality, and seriousness with which we treat those values. Zaire, you obviously hold these values very deeply and fundamentally. Is that same feeling important for your team? Does every team member that participates in King Children have to hold those values as deeply as you do? Absolutely. Like, no question about it. If you look at how diverse my team is in every sense of the word, it's amazing. And I really haven't seen many other startups that have teams that are as diverse as ours, especially that are technology-focused startups. I think that that's something that brings everyone in my team together when we're going through the hard times, which is that we know that we all fundamentally care about the same things and that we're fighting for something that's not just about, you know, selling a product, but also 
building a brand that echoes these values that we each individually hold dear to us. You have a team. You started with the team. I just like, where did the money come from? (laughs) Everybody wants to know, like, how can I get 100,000 to start my company? Right. So we were lucky to raise capital from some amazing investors that believe in our dream and believe in what we're building. That was an important part, enabling us to build what we have created. So you mentioned earlier that the values hold you together as you've gone through the tough times. What are some of the challenges you've faced? And what mistakes have you made as the CEO? Honestly, so many. And I think that that is the reality of building a startup is that you face challenges, you make decisions that at the time made sense, but in retrospect, maybe were not the best decisions to make. Give us an example. (laughs) Sure, sure, absolutely. An example that I can give you is that for a very long time when we were working on the app, we were focused a lot on building a technology-focused experience that was awesome. And then when we launched it, we very quickly saw that people were having some challenges as they were using the app in being able to get the most out of what we had built. And so what we had to go through was a period where we had to be very kind of detached from what each individual team member thought was the best way to allow someone to customize something. But just look at the data. And we had to go to a process where, for example, some of those downloads that I mentioned to you were learning for us. And they were a process where we had to be like, okay, wow, like so many people who are downloading our app are not getting through the scan. How do we make the scan easier and more convenient so that people get done with the scan and get to the fun part, which is trying on the frames and then buy the product. We invested heavily in making the scan quicker and faster and easier and also giving the customer feedback as they were going through the scan. So right now, when you go through the scanning process, for example, you're actually able to see us showing you how wide your face is, how wide your nose bridge is. And so you feel involved and engaged in the process rather than just standing over there looking at a screen Wondering, is this working? Right. So your your associate, Cynthia, who came with you today, had the app on her phone, and she scanned my face, and it was very cool to watch it, and it only took, like, seconds. Right. And it's not a photograph either, because I do think it's important people appreciate that your photo isn't being taken that could somehow be used in some strange way in the future. It's a mathematical model, right? Absolutely. And that's another thing that we spent a lot of time thinking about, frankly, which was how do we create an experience that's amazing for people, but at the same time, don't make people uncomfortable with the experience that they're having, given you know all these conversations that people have today around how technology works. To Elizabeth's point, the seconds that it took to scan her when she tried out the app before the live try-on experience used to actually be over a minute when we first started. And that was an important learning experience for us that we needed to make the scan super, super snappy while not compromising on accuracy. One of the questions that I thought was really fascinating was from one of our pitchers who said, how do you build a technology and build a market at the same time? I think that's honestly a really, really good question. And it's a challenging question because at some level, they are sometimes at odds with each other. Because when you're building a brand, you have to listen to the market. And sometimes when you're building technology, you get over-invested in the technology that you're developing. And so the way that I try and approach this is that I think about the way that our team is structured. And I think about who effectively owns what and what is the point at which 
people who own a certain space have to kind of hand off to the others who own another space and let them do what they're good at. And I think that it, it comes down to the types of people that you have in your organization and also the way that they talk to each other. What is the vision for your company? My aspiration is to build a company that moves beyond eyewear into other consumer products, hopefully creating similar experiences for people where they can 3D scan themselves and then in AR try on different designs of products that are all custom fit to them, making the entire retail experience something that's fun and easy, but still super personalized and customized. Wow, that would be awesome because, as I have said many times on the show, I do a lot of online shopping, <laughs> especially for shoes. You know what? If you could do this for shoes next, that, you, you would be my hero. <laughs> you would be my hero. One of the things that I've said before is that we really trace everything back to our brand values. And even in the sense of you know how we had set about to work on World Pride and this collaboration for World Pride, the essence of it was that we wanted to create an experience for the influencers that we're working with that was really about them and was really about their creations and showcasing how King Children helped them create a version of eyewear that they loved. And I would love for you guys to check out our collab, which you can see at pride.kingchildren.com. So do you have glasses there that people could buy? For Yes. What's the website again? The website is pride.kingchildren.com. So are there really cool frames on there? There are some phenomenal designs on there. They're amazing stories, and it's an amazing process that these people went through to design their frames where they actually used the King Children app and got to see it live their creations take place and very, very quickly go from seeing something in augmented reality to seeing something in their hands that was fundamentally their creation. That is so cool. So you have an amazing company, Zahir. Thank you for joining us on Passage to Profit. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. Our special guest today is Zahir Saveri from King Children, and we'll be right back with our pitch competition. Stay tuned. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gerhardt Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gerhardt Law, we have years of experience experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now it's time for the pitch portion of the show. 
If you are listening to this on the podcast or if you're listening to it on the radio and you missed our guest segment, then you really missed something incredible. So you need to go back and listen to the podcast either when it comes out, if you're listening to the radio right now or right now, if it's already come out. And where can they find the podcast? At our website, yourheartlaw.com on the Passage to Profit page. Also, what you can do when you're there, we have two pitches today. You can vote for your favorite pitch. You just need to scroll down to vote. Absolutely. And while you're at the Gearheart Law website, if you you do have a project and you're thinking about intellectual property, click around on the website a little bit and you'll be able to find all sorts of useful information about patents and trademarks and copyrights. You'll also get a chance to see pictures and read bios of the Gearheart Law team. We're all there to help you protect your idea. That's GearheartLaw.com, G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com, or you can call us at 908-273-0700. And now on to the pitch portion of our program. Remember, if you're at the website to vote you get to vote for a week and you only get to vote once and don't forget to like us on facebook twitter and instagram so get your friends to vote and just remember the name of the show by imagining that you're walking down a passage with a huge pot of gold at the end passage to profit and may your passage be short and your profit be huge now each contestant gets two minutes followed by a discussion with our guest and the overall best vote getter gets a professionally produced video of their pitch a $500 value so our first pitch is by Matt Cristaldi of Ribbit welcome Matt thank you Elizabeth and Richard for having me so my company and I am the CEO and co-founder of Ribbit and we are building a mobile web and web platform that connects users to eco-friendly restaurants, coffee shops, and bars. And it's actually an interesting concept of how we're doing it because it's similar to what you're doing with uh, King Children. And we're using crowdsourcing technology to bring out the attributes of a restaurant that eco-friendly minded consumers want to go to. And so I came across this interesting concept when I was on uh, vacation in Costa Rica last year. Costa Rica is a really big environmental country. And I came across a restaurant that was locally sourced. They, they promoted farm to table. They advertised environmentally friendly material being right on the ocean. They wanted to protect the ocean. And me as a consumer, I loved it. And I thought like, is there anybody else out there who would appreciate the same thing? And so when I came home, I was a, a graduate student at Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken. And I started, you know, beating around the idea. And I ended up running into a couple developers and, and we got to building Ribbit. It's a query-based system to where we ask our users simple questions about the location, about the restaurant, the bar, coffee shop. So just like how, you know, you're extracting certain aspects of a person's face, you know, we're asking them certain questions about the location. So just like how you are uh, uh, extracting certain attributes of a person's face to get a really fit product, you know, we're asking our users certain attributes of the restaurant so that they can find that restaurant that they really like. And so we're leveraging the, the passion of a really passionate group of audience, you know, passionate users, people who want to go out and find these restaurants, people who want to be in, environmentally friendly, like myself and many others that are gonna be you know, our potential users. So a couple months ago, we released our beta to about 250 beta testers around the country, and we'd be getting a lot of feedback. It's a really interesting concept. We're really excited about it. My first question is, do you plan on going on to any more vacations so you have <laughs> great business ideas? Yes. It sounds like a great excuse to go to Costa Rica, right? Yes, absolutely. We do travel a lot. I do travel a lot. And everywhere I go, you know, I always find these places that are just great ribbit restaurants. And, you know, that's one thing where we talk to our users. They're like, 
oh, I would love to use this when we travel and I would love to use this when I go places. I could find restaurants that meet my criteria. We're building the app uh, and the app should be ready on Android in about a month and a half. So we're pretty excited about that. And it's Ribbit, R-I-B-B-I-T dot I-O. Correct. So how did you get the name Ribbit? Ribbit was, you know, it was a long conversation, but ultimately, you know, the idea was founded in Costa Rica and we wanted to hop around to different eco-friendly locations. And so we came out- ah, the travel theme again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so Ribbit, it's it's cool to say. You can turn it into a verb. You could turn it into a noun. It's great. Well, I personally love this idea. I mean, I buy free range eggs and when I go to a restaurant, I eat meat, but I don't want to eat meat that's been abused, right? Mm-hmm. So- yep. I love this idea. This oh, thank is fantastic. You. Thank you. And it's sort of like a Yelp for eco-friendly food, yes. right? Yes, and that's a concept. You know, it's we want to, you know, when when you look at Yelp, they have so much data within their text reviews, and it's kind of where our users are finding it difficult to use this system. You know, it's just like going into a store. And you have, like you'd said before, when somebody produces iframes, they produce 10,000 of them. It's like, oh, I got to find something that's so specific to my face. Well, that's what we're doing. I want to find something specific to me that I like. And you could do that by going on to Ribbit. Since we're gathering a whole bunch of uh, data, we can tailor it to how it meets your key criteria. We can help restaurants become more environmentally friendly, that they can meet this growing demographic. It's something that we're extremely excited about. That's super exciting. How have you kind of thought about building out a way for people to verify that, you know, what one person says is eco-friendly is actually eco-friendly because I, I know that with oh, Yelp, for example, this is the kind of problem that sometimes they face. And I imagine it's something you've had to think about a lot yes. as you built out Ribbit. It is something that we've had to think about a lot. And it's and I'm glad because that's part of our, our IP is that the, the based on the questions that people, that, that our users, we call them Ribbiters. <laughs> uh, based, based on our Ribbiters answers, we can determine with some confidence of removing outlier type data. What happens is when you answer a question, the questions get turned into a grading system. The questions get turned into a color-coded and a grading system. So a really good restaurant will have an A rating system with a green icon. A really poor restaurant will have a red icon with an F on it. And on our back end, we have this confidence interval and a statistical model that helps us remove that outlier data. One thing too was like what you did with your app. You said, you know, you wanted to reduce the energy that a user exerts when they make a decision. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. We want them to find that restaurant in two to three seconds as soon as they open up our app. Your life isn't getting any easier because as I understand it, you just got some investment. Yes. And this is not even your full-time gig, right? This no. is a side hustle for this is, you. So, yeah, this is a side hustle. So tell us what's that, what that's like. Um, it's extremely demanding. Uh, I'm late nights. Uh, I don't sleep. Work hard. As soon as I come home from work, I, I, I'm working until midnight, one o'clock. I wake up at four or five o'clock. You're a typical I, entrepreneur. Yes, wow. I'm just so excited <laughs> about the, what the next day brings. Um, but it's challenging. But um, like you said, when we received that first investment, which I was so grateful for, uh, we were able to begin hiring our team. And that is what really does it for me is that when we're, we're expanding out, building a product, you know, that people are going to be passionate about, you know, it's really exciting stuff. And that's what keeps me going on these long days and long nights. So what is your biggest challenge right now? Uh, the biggest challenge that we have is getting people introduced to using this type of technology. We're introducing a new concept. When you go into a restaurant, you answer questions rather than leaving a subjective review. I think the biggest thing that we're going to have to face is how do we get other people in other markets using this technology? 
because if it does work, I think they'll continue using it, but it's really getting them to use it for the first time and getting them used to it. That's, I think, is going to be our biggest challenge. So what is your plan for addressing that? Over the past couple of years, I've really surrounded myself with a great group of network of environmentalists, developers, technology. And I think our initial approach is that we want to use that network to get our large user group up. And then we're hoping that that group has another referral system and it could just explode by word of mouth that people are like, oh, wow, try this app. It's really great. I really like it. You can try it. That's what we're hoping for. And I think if we can give our user immediate value, I think that'll happen. So you have kind of an interesting demographic with this probably because people who use their phones and like Mm -hmm. to use their phones and are used to entering data and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but also people with maybe the money to go to better restaurants that can source. Mm -hmm. So like someone like me, I would do it, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how common someone like me is. Baby boomer. Right. End of the baby. Tail end of the baby boomer. (laughs) Tail end of the baby. But I think people are willing to spend a little bit more for clean food, right? I mean, I I think there's a huge market out there for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe just eat less, you know? (laughs) Share a meal. Which would work for me. (laughs) I I guess an interesting related question is, um, you know, at the outset, I'm sure you did a bunch of research on the market that you're trying to address. Could you Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about the research that you did and what you found that got you so excited? Yeah. So, you know, it touched me last year when I was in Costa Rica and I came home and, you know, we started doing research and started asking those questions. And we found that actually 66 percent of people would prefer to go to a restaurant that they know is environmentally friendly and sustainable. So in that matter, you have two restaurants, one that isn't environmentally friendly and one that is you're most likely to choose the one that is. And we know we looked at that there's a willingness to pay is that people are willing to pay more for goods and services that they know are environmentally and socially responsible. If I know that this isn't going to end up in the ocean, if I know that this container that I'm eating out of isn't going to end up in the ocean or damaging some poor animal, then I'm going to pay more for it. It's I'm more likely to do that, but also it just feels great. And when you look at locally sourced food, it's higher nutrition, it supports a local economy, and you like when a local restaurant is as dedicated to this concept as you are, you know, and you're willing to pay a little bit more for it. Matt, this is such a great idea. Do you have competitors out there that are doing the same thing? We have a couple of competitors that aren't doing this niche aspect that we're doing. We do have a couple of competitors that are out there. They're not crowdsourcing like we are, which I think we have a first mover's advantage. If in a year or so, we hope other people start copying the idea, then we know we've done something right. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, yes, right? So. Yes, indeed. And what about your intellectual property? What we want to do, again, we have the we have our back-end algorithm, which we think is going to be very useful to our users and to not only to the users, but to the restaurants themselves. Because what we're really doing is taking that B2C data and providing B2B value. So one thing that we're really excited about is this B2B business-to-business marketplace that we're developing that helps eco-friendly suppliers, eco-friendly restaurants alike. And so once we develop this ecosystem, I really think that this is going to separate us from our competition because people are going to want to go to Ribbit to one, find eco-friendly restaurants, and two, if you're a restaurant, I want to connect to eco-friendly suppliers so that I could tap into that high willingness to pay market of environmentally friendly consumers. And does that start getting towards your monetization strategy as well for the app? 
Yes, yes. And that does get into our monetization strategy as well. How do you get the restaurants on there? I mean, there are some restaurants that get a red rating really poor. Do, mm-hmm. Does somebody, does the consumer put the restaurant on the app? Or? Yes. So what will happen is, you know, it, initially because it's crowdsourced information, the consumer will go in and will rate the restaurant. And then this is another aspect of our app is that when you talk to the eco-friendly minded consumer, they want to affect change. They want to help restaurants become more environmentally friendly. So they're rating it. So I'm helping this restaurant. I'm going to put it on the map and surface it. We want to use this to help restaurants become more environmentally friendly. But eventually, we want to build our user base, get a whole bunch of riveters, and then we want the restaurants to see that we have a whole bunch of active users and that this is the place to be and so they can come on. Well, I am ready to be a riveter. <laughs> As opposed to a ribbity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so unfortunately, we have to wrap this segment up. You are listening to Rich and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Sahir Zaveri on Passage to Profit, WR710, the voice of New York. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years. Hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world. QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me. Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest this evening, Sahir Zaveri from King Children. And our next pitch contestant is Robert Bonanno, a client of Gearhart Law. We've known Robert for many years, and he's going to be talking about his company to move you. Robert, you've got two minutes to pitch. Go. Hello, my name is Robert Bonanno. To move you LLC is my company, and my invention is a human-powered vehicle. A human-powered vehicle could be your feet. It could be a skateboard, roller skates, roller blades. I wanted to create a vehicle that I could ride down the street on, standing straight up in a comfortable position in full control. So I worked on that. It took about four years. I did it from bicycle parts. I went to school at night to learn how to weld so I could do it. I worked it around the premise of standing up straight. And my vehicle ended up being very big. It's wide and it's long. It's made from 27-inch bicycle wheels from the old 10-speed bikes. I collected about 20 of them over the years, and I cut them up with my Sawzall, and I learned how to weld, and I put this vehicle together. And what it ended up being is a multi-person, multi-use human-powered vehicle that is also a gravity-powered vehicle, which you could send down a hill. To move it by human power, it could be walked, it could be jogged with, Rollerbladers could hold on to it and propel it or anything like that. It could be pushed or pulled. Or again, I really built it to just throw myself down a hill standing up. <laughs> well, you did not talk about my favorite part. <laughs> and you can fly. There yes. you go. <laughs> it's what a flying en- machine. <laughs> what ended up happening, because it was so long and wide, that I decided to make an area in the back for another person who could stand up and push me. Push me along or we could actually alternate the power. He could stay on and I could push it. 
So it's almost a perpetual motion if you have people with you. And again, if you incorporate that with rollerbladers, you could just move this thing down a road with your whole family, actually. But you can lay down horizontal in the middle right, of it, like the, Superman, right? The, the vehicle is made in a way, it has no bottom, it has no platform, it's all open. It has a big arch on top, which I hung a swing from. And the swing is on chain, which can be adjusted. So I could lower it a bit to sit down. That's the sitting part. But if I raise it up, I could lay down on it. I made armrests for my arms, which are right in front of the steering wheel. And I have a part in the back that I could put my feet on. And I have the swing for my mid area. So with those three points, you're laying down. It's not like a full couch or a full bench, but you can lay down on it and go down a hill. And I've done it. And you can be flying. And you're flying with Raymond on the back. (laughs) You can't go wrong. How fast have you gone in this? Well, we tested it in Branchbrook Park in Newark on a hill that I thought was nothing. It looked like if you walked up it, it would be like nothing. But when we started going, we gave it a little push to start, which I quickly wished I didn't. Because <laughs> maybe because of the bicycle wheels with the bearings and the axle, it just started moving. Raymond, you can see, has an afro, and that thing was flying in the wind. <laughs> and you could hear the wind in the camera because, Raymond, we were recording it, and you could just hear it. But it was just amazing how fast it is, and it weighs a ton because it's made of bicycles. And every once in a while, I would have to adjust something because every time I took it out, I learned something more where, you know, it's either not strong enough or, you know, the brakes don't work. But that was the challenge of, of building this, and it, it took four years to do, and it was very challenging. And it does have brakes. It does steer. And I could operate it from either the sitting, standing, or prone position. I learned prone from Gerhardt Law. <laughs> I always said laying down. But they're, they're In so, the patent, I think we said prone, it right? It says prone, yes. It's a little more professional. I'm, I'm not, proud of it. I really am. You should be. And I know our listeners really probably cannot visualize this from just words because it is amazingly different. Well, we first saw it at an art exhibition. I mean, Bob is an artist and we saw it in a gallery. Right. So you really have to go to the YouTube channel and watch the video. It's at The Meltist. So The Meltist is my artwork. I melt crayons to make art. I've been doing that since high school. I'm 61 now and I still do it. And to move you is what I am. It's my artwork. It's everything. It's my music. I want to move people with what I do. And Scootis literally does that. But I just hope everything does. Everything reaches people and moves them in a good way. That's so beautiful. I have a question. So are you hoping that people will want to buy a Scootis one day? And how have you thought about that? Who, who do you think is the customer that would want to buy a Scootis? Well, the people who see it kind of recommend that it would be good for maybe a resort where a family could take it out because you could, you, your whole family could use this. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this is big, right? It's I mean, big. What well, are, this what is are a the prototype. Dimensions? This is a working model. It's uh-huh. a prototype. And it's really not street worthy. Like street as far legal. as around, you wouldn't just take it out in the street. You would bring it someplace. I bring it to the park. But the idea of it is there. I have a second prototype built and ready to go, which is completely different, but it does the same thing. It even holds more people and there's more to it than I could even talk about right now, but it's, it's in the works. And that's my key right now because, like I said, this was a prototype and it's evolving into something a little more doable, I would say. I got to ask you this. When you're riding this down a hill in Newark, in a park, what do people say to you? I can't really say that on the air. (laughs) But it's a complimentary, right? (laughs) What I would do is an obvious test. Raymond and I would take it out. There was an area behind the park where there's houses and it was a nice hill with a nice turn. I said, well, let's try that. Let's go downhill. And there were new houses in Newark. There are two family houses, and they all have balconies in the front, and people hang out. 
So we came down this hill. I made my turn, and we heard it. What the <laughs> is that? <laughs> and that is what we hear wherever we go. Wow. If a car, if, if that's a, not validation, I don't I'm, know what is. I think it's a, I, I'm honored. <laughs> so when we, when a car passes us, you don't hear anything for a few seconds because they don't know what they saw. But, <laughs> but then they would stop at that red light or a stop sign and you would hear, you know, the same thing. What, so, what so, is that? So, what is that? If so you're, to me, it's obvious that it's not obvious and obvious. I don't know. If you're not intrigued by this description, <laughs> then nothing will intrigue you. So you have to go to the Gerhardt Law website and the Passage to Profit website. Well, the fun thing about it is when it's sitting by itself, like even in the park and no one's on it, you wouldn't know what the front is. You wouldn't know the back. You wouldn't know where you would sit. Nobody knows what it is, really. And, and it's kind of, uh, I kind of like that because I have to explain it and show them and then Soon everybody will know when they say, oh, yeah, I know what that is. That's Scootus. <laughs> so tell us about the creative process. I mean, you're a carpenter. It was so much fun. I don't know why I had this thought one day to even go down a hill like this or why it even stuck with me. So I started drawing throughout the week. And I said, oh, I have to stand on something. I have to be able to steer. You know, I want to be comfortable because that was my main goal is to stand up straight. I want to steer just by holding my hands up like this. So um, it was a very exciting process because... I kind of worked it as I went along. I took the welding lessons. I cut the bicycles up into pieces, and I just kind of figured out where things need to be for this to work. And it, it was a lot of fun. It took four years to do it because I had to go to school. But did you have a master plan, or did you, you start? A basic plan, no. I, I kind of work as I go on, on things, even with my carpentry. It's just the way I, I do things, and it, it's fun that way. And there were a lot of challenges, and that's the way it goes. It took four years. What was so exciting to you about um, being able to create a machine where you could move while standing up? Because it sounds like that was the core idea that you did start off with and kept throughout the process. Well, when I went down my first hill with it standing up, it was just exhilarating that I was actually doing it. And it, it was safe. The steering worked. The brakes worked. And it was just so much fun. And like I said, my son Raymond was involved. He was a little kid when I started this. This is over. <laughs> really, this, you know I'm a baby stepper. You, you, you guys know that. I take a long time to do things. My artwork is a drop out of time, literally, with crayon wax. And I've been doing that since I was like 13, 14. And you have to develop patience for that, which helped That's me with my whole life with everything. Such a different approach from the way we live our lives now, right? Everything and I do is slow and you know, it's almost monotonous, but in the end, you can't go wrong when you work like that. You, if you make a mistake, it's a small one and you fix it, it works out for me anyway. Absolutely fascinating, Bob. And thank you so much for coming on Passage to Profit. It's so good to see you again. And thank you for telling us about the Scootus. And where can people find pictures and videos of the Scootus again? Right now, I actually have my patent on YouTube in a slideshow. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a tech guy. I don't even have a Facebook, which I should with Scootus. I don't have a website. I'm, I'm kind of lazy with that stuff. I'm more of a hands-on guy. I like building it. And maybe I'll get somebody else to help me with all that good stuff. But right now, the Meltist at YouTube, you will see a slideshow of the patent, my drawings. Um, you will see some of events that we have been to with Scootus. I go out to promote it uh, in front of people's companies or stores. And I also have some pictures which describe what it does with me and my son, Raymond, with all the various positions. 
that are available. Sounds great. Well, thanks again for joining us. You're listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710. The Voice of New York will be back right after this message. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trade mark and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit Gearheart law.com together we can change the world visit g-e-a-r-h-a-r-t-l-a-w.com this ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson now more with richard and elizabeth passage to profit this is so i mean we talk <laughs> this about is so much look, fun right yeah. you see the future i mean yeah we talk so about many looking, exciting projects yeah we talk about looking at the future whoever knew that you could afford to get eyeglasses made exactly for your face. Custom eyeglasses. I can't wait because I, I need like four pairs of eyeglasses. I wear contact lenses most of the time, but I still need eyeglasses. I'm going directly to King Children right after the show, and I'm going to order four pairs. And who would have ever thought that someday you could look at your phone and find a restaurant that adheres to your values and choose a restaurant based on your values? That's amazing. And who would have thought that you could go flying down the sidewalk in an incredible flying machine? All of these are the quintessential invention from Mr. Robert Bonanno. So check that out, too. Remember, everyone, to go to the Passage to Profit page at GerhartLaw.com. That's G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W, and vote for your favorite project. So to summarize, we had Matt Cristaldi with Ribbit at ribbit, R-I-B-B-I-T dot I-O, and find restaurants that adhere to your values just by downloading the app. And then we had Robert Bonanno with the Scootus and his company to move you, and you can find him on YouTube as The Meltus and Honestly, you've got to watch this video. It's a hoot. It's fantastic. It's definitely worth the clicks to get there. And now Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once and you have until next Sunday at 8 p.m. to vote. This evening's pitch contestants will receive a Passage to Profit t-shirt. And the most overall vote getter for the show will receive a professionally produced video of their pitch, a $500 value. Before we sign off, I really have to thank everybody that was here today and participated and was willing to come into New York and talk about what they're doing. I, I just love this. It was amazing. And I want to say thanks again to our guest, Sahir Zaveri, who took us over the top in so many ways. Do you have any final words for our audience? Well, I wanted to thank you so much for having me. This has been an amazing experience, and I really hope that your audience gets a chance to check out both our app on the App Store, search King Children on the App Store, and also check out our awesome Pride collaboration at pride.kingchildren.com, where you can see some amazing creations 
from some really, really interesting people. And we would like to thank our media maven, Kenya Gibson, our producer, Noah Fleischman, and our amazing engineer, Rob Barretts, and the whole iHeart team. So don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches. And listeners, seriously, you can start thinking about what your pitch will be. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart from Gearhart Law on iHeart Radio with Passage to Profit. WOR 710, the voice of New York.